0: Hola
1: amigos, Matt Prince here. This is the Matt Prince podcast. Welcome back for another episode. This is brought to you by Royal Fitness. Today's topic is this, UFC SNC. right, I'm pumped. It's Thursday. I'm driving to my jujitsu session. I'm well caffeinated. Uh, I've got some time to talk with you guys. And uh, and the thing that's front of mind for me is SNC for UFC. And the reason is Jack's fighting on Sunday. He's got his first UFC fight, which is my official first athlete in the UFC um, from an SNC point of view. And I'm just fucking excited. I'm pumped for him. I've spoken about him on the podcast for a bit, a you bit know, over the years. Especially lately, I've been thinking about it a lot because I'm so hyped about him going into it. But uh, what I wanted to do is essentially... Like I've trained, you know, jiu-jitsu athletes, kickboxers, MMA guys um, for for fights, and they're pros, um, amateurs, just hobbyists, all that. Like I'm a hobbyist myself; I just do it for fun. Um, but you still have to train strategically, even if you're just doing it a few days a week, because it's a fucking sport where you're trying to rip each other's limbs off or punch each other in the head. Like you're going to get injured if you don't look after your body. So um, I wanted to sort of dive in and sort of talk about a few things to consider with MMA fighters and specifically how we sort of trained jack up for this one. So I'll sort of pull back the curtain a little bit and uh, and let you guys know my thought process. So we, we, it was around September, I think his his contender series fight was the Dana White contender series was around September. This is a timestamp. It's currently mid Feb. Um, I think it's like the ninth of Feb or something like that. Um, so you've got, what's that, about three months, two months, or five months. So it's been about the last six months. He hit me up about five and a half weeks when he found out about Contender Series when he was fighting in Vegas for the, for the chance to get a UFC contract. He hit me up and um, he reached out and Jack was like, oh, mate, I've been doing some you know, some S&C stuff. I've got to make it serious again. Um, and we've worked together so, so long over the years and so many times that he just knew that I knew how to, train his body and he knows if he feels good under what I do. So um, that was the thing. And it's like, sweet, how long do we have? And he goes, five and a half weeks, my <laughs> fucking that was still fight day. So we had really had three weeks of, of training, um, of S and C training to do, right? So my first thing, and this is this is what I do with anybody who trains, but my first thing is to assess the damage. So you sit back and you go, All right, sweet, what's going on here? Where's tight, where's sore, where's injured, where's broken, where's healthy where you know where's weak um we look at that from a holistic point of view and for for that like five-week block or that three-week block there wasn't much i knew i couldn't do that much except for i knew i could open up his body as in like make his hips more mobile um make his hips fire better like the glutes and stuff a little bit more active um, and also, too, I knew that I could help um, do the same in his upper back and shoulders so he can help that mobility and help that range um, so that it, it all feels better, right? And from a performance standpoint, um, he's done so much SNC over the years with us that he picks it up pretty quick. So after three weeks, he does get adaptions and he does progress. But um, in this time, it was just like, all right, we, you've got to fight. You've got the hardest training you've, you've got to do. you are got to be smashing yourself to be ready for it. So we just need to make you feel good, all right? So that was step one. And then, anyway... Within two or three weeks, his hips were feeling better. His recovery was feeling better. His elbows, shoulders and all that just started improving. And, uh, and he went in and he dominated that fight. He won. He got a contract for the UFC. And, uh, and happy days. Anyway, the first day he got back from Contender Series, he we, we came into the gym and we we're lifting together. We we're doing just full body. We we're doing like landmine presses, farmer's carries. So he just literally, because he was out of camp, he just jumped in and did what I did, um, which was, yeah, it was kneeling landmine presses, pull-ups, Um, Farmers carries That sort of stuff Right Some fun stuff Um, And I identified that We could put a bit of A bit more strength Through his glutes And his hips Um, Specifically So for me I think any fighter But for, for Jack in particular Put a huge emphasis On building everything up From pretty much like Say Knees Up to his chest level Right I know that sounds like It's full body But I don't want you To think about that I'm thinking I'm talking like the middle like hamstrings hips lower back trunk that's the that's where we've made the most progress and gains and um that's what i identified i was like mate this is if we do this and do it well you're going to feel awesome and he trusted me with it and i just started writing programs sending them through to him he does he's in my online program because he trains, uh, trains out of, well, he lives in Collingwood, so he, he, he makes it to Bacchus. I don't know, a couple, every couple of weeks, maybe once a month, just depending on how schedules go. Uh, mine and his, because I'm fucking. Busy too, um, but we, we try and tear it up so we can check in. Uh, and every time I've seen him, he's, he's improved beyond what I thought he was going to be, which is incredible, right? Uh, so for any of you guys and girls out there listening, and you, you know you're not local to Backus smash, you can't make it to the gym, or you work shift work, or whatever. If you're looking for proper programming from a, a, you know someone who's been in the game for you know, 15 years, um, I'm happy to help. Just reach out, and I'm happy to help. Uh, it, it's you know. It, it's what I do. It's um, a part of what I do. So I've got an online coaching crew who I train, which I love doing. So if you are interested in that, just let me know. Um, and that's that's what Jack's in at the moment. He, in the past, has been part of the strength club. Um, but just purely from travel reasons, we can't fit that in logistically. So we're doing it online. Um, but back to it. So he, uh, we've, we've basically built up all that area. Now, when you got a UFC fighter or an MMA fighter or a weight class athlete in general, um, but specifically fighting, like, yes, we needed to add some strength and size into his glutes and hips. So I was like, all right, sweet. We've got to build up that area. We want to get his core as thick and strong as possible, like anaconda strength I've heard someone refer it to, like that ability just to fucking hold and squeeze the life out of its opponent. Um, that's that's what I wanted to do with Jack through his arms and his upper back and his core is just make sure he can, like, literally squeeze the fuck out of the guy that he's going to fight. Um while he's throwing powerful kicks and punches, because that all comes from the hips and the rotation through the body. Um, so we are basically really focused on building up all that stuff. Now, there's some, some parameters that we have to look at here, right? When you do S and lot of people would look at look at and go S and C. You know, you got to do um, you got to do you know four, four days of strength and conditioning. You have to be doing mobility. You have to be doing runs. You have to be doing you know slamming a tire, flipping a tire, slamming it with a sledgehammer doing all this stuff. It's not like that at all, right? And the stuff that you see on the on the YouTube clips, uh, all those hype videos, they're made hype videos for a reason. Like, they look cool, but that's not what actually happens, right? In reality, right, this is the reality of, uh, of Jack's week and a lot of UFC and MMA people's weeks, right? They are professional fighters. They are not professional strength athletes, right? It doesn't matter how strong they are. It doesn't matter how... Um, how high they can jump, how fast they can run. It doesn't even matter how fucking fit they are on an airdyne. It doesn't matter, right? That's all stuff that anybody can do. If if that stuff mattered, like if you had just a general, say, CrossFit athlete or an F45 goer or something like that, they would be fit enough to fight, right? It doesn't work like that. When you're fighting, it's a different game. When you're fighting, it is a very different game. So it is an absolute must that you prioritize fighting or fight training and the sport of MMA, right? That is not my thing. I'm not going to talk about it in depth here because it's not my thing. I'm not an MMA coach, but let's say somebody comes in and they're like, hey, as an as an MMA coach, say someone comes in and goes to the MMA coach, I want to have a fight. And they're like, all right, you suck at wrestling, we have to get your wrestling up, right? Or if they're not, if they're great at wrestling, I suck at striking, they've got to get the striking up. Then you've got to prioritise what you need to prioritise based on where you're at in your abilities, right? So you've got your, your, your grappling, you've got your striking, you've got your, your boxing and your technique type work, you've got your, um, your your wrestling type work, you've got your actual MMA rounds, which is the key part of the whole thing, tying it all together. Like, you've got all these different pieces that, that need to be done, okay? And you can't just train them all once a week. Well, if you're a pro fighter, you can't train for four hours a week and think you're going to go good. Like, you got to be doing hours, you know? Hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half in the afternoon, even two hours. Like you got to be putting in work. Now, when you're doing that and you're doing that, say, five days a week, six days a week, and you got all the live sparring, you've got the contact work, you got it all in. Where do you do your S and C? Right? Now, I want to specifically talk about the S portion of it because that's what i do i'm the strength guy of all the the thing with jack i said to him like yeah we, we push hard in our sessions, so his heart rate gets up and you know there's a conditioning element to it but our focus isn't about conditioning it's about getting first of all prehab rehab so making his body body move better feel better and recover better that's step one because if i can do that he can train harder in his sessions and do more mma right? That's the fucking fan, the fundamental thing that I want to get through on this podcast is if I can keep his body healthy, he can do better in his MMA training and do the sport that he wants to do, right? So win, lose or draw, right? It doesn't matter. I don't care about that. I'm going to love him either way. But all I want to know is in from my, my programming and my plan, is his body in check, right? If there's a niggle that comes up, can we get him back to where he wants to be? as fast as possible. Like if he tweaks a shoulder, like can we get him back on the mat wrestling in a week, right? That's the sort of thing that I need to be front of mind with. That's step one. All the other biases that strength coaches have, like, hey, try and get your deadlift to double body weight, try and get your squat to double body weight, all that. I don't give a fuck about any of that because it doesn't matter if he's not on the mats, okay? So that's fundamental part one, all right? Part two, obviously there's, um, again, I'm talking about the strength side of things. Strength and power is the next thing. So when we look at it and we're like, oh, sweet, we've got to add strength and power, not in a, in a sports-specific way. I'm not, you know, putting a, a weight vest on and making him do boxing rounds. I'm not doing, like, you know, bands around his ankles making him throw knees and stuff like that. It's not like that. I look at the movement patterns that you use in fighting, you know, and it's very, very random in MMA. But on a whole, if you have stronger hips that anaconda-type strength where, like, your arms can, like, suck bodies into it and, you know, your core's really strong and you can twist and throw people and all that sort of stuff. If you get all that stuff in check, have strong glutes, strong core, strong upper back, you, you're in pretty good stead. Like, if your posterior chain's rock solid, that's going to be a, a good a good plus, right? So I look at all that and I'm like, oh, so these are the, the movements that will benefit him from a strength point of view and then nothing like what you'd see in an MMA fight. They don't even look the same. And that's important. You don't want to mix a technique and strength together because it just fucks it up for their technique, right? And their, their coaches would hate me. Um, but I look at that and I'm like, all right, I can amplify his kicking power by getting his say, kettlebell swing really, really powerful. And that's something that we've done. We've got his kettlebell swings. He's um, We started on, I think, a 32-kilo bell for swings and he was doing some, some moderate volume on that, focusing on force. And he finished the cycle after, I think it was just after three months when we started that that specific block, we finished on the 56 and he was doing, I think five by eight was his last set. So he's really powering through it. And he's putting a lot of force in. He could have gone heavier, but risk reward, it's not there. Um, so we're really pumping it through, which is, it's you know awesome. So that sort of thing, I know he's going to kick harder. He's going to, when he's going to sprawl, he's going to sprawl really aggressively. He's going to feel really fucking strong and explosive. And that's important. I think that's really important. Now, the next little thing you need to think about from a strength point of view is, when we're looking at it all, you got you got to go, all right, sweet, these are the movement patterns, but you also have to consider what he's done throughout the rest of the week. So there's a, a fitness fatigue model that you have to sort of think about because he's going into every session fatigued. So you can't work off percentages of a fresh person, right? So say if he's deadlifts 180, right, and I'm programming 120, if he's fucked one day and this happened early in the camp, he was struggling with 100 kilos, right? And then the next week he was doing 140. The week before he was doing 140. Like, so you have to sort of be able to, to be flexible with your approach from a strength coach point of view um, because of, you know, if he has hard sparring and his lower back's cooked because they wrestled for fucking 25 minutes of intense rounds, like you have to, you have to change some shit up and be okay with having your weights on the back burner. And that's something that, that I thought we, we worked in really, really well. The next little piece you have to worry about from a strength point of view is weight gain, right? And especially someone like Jack, he's got that physique that he could blow up and, and be a big dude if he wanted to be and if we train him that way. Um, so I've really been very mindful of eccentric loading um, in some aspects. Like I'm not trying to slap muscle on. So say for me, like if I'm trying to get bigger, you know, time under tension matters, right? And if I'm trying to get stronger, though, like, you can get stronger without time under tension. You can't maximize it. Like, I wouldn't recommend this for a power lifter, but for an athlete... Moving quick in like singles on deadlifts, you know, exploding a sumo deadlift up, slamming your hips into it, and doing that, like that's going to get you stronger and more powerful, improve your speed, rate right? of force development, all that sort of stuff, without adding too much size, right? If I was trying to add size with a deadlift pattern, I'd be doing like Romanian deadlifts, constant tension, slow, you know, five seconds down, up fast, and that's gonna that's gonna tear the shit out of his muscles and add more growth, right? So we pick exercises that. The eccentric is like an overspeed eccentric, or really fast eccentric, or no eccentric, right? And then the concentrics where we we get the you know, that rate of force development happening. So we're looking for a stimulus, not so much a um, a, a feel in a muscle, right? We're we're looking to improve um, the the qualities of the muscle tissues that we're hitting, rather than than burning out, getting DOMS the next day. I don't want any of that, right? We can minimise that. I'm happy. Uh, now, the next thing from a strength point of view, something that we did really well um, and I'm really happy with, is we started working all of the unilateral work from every angle, right? So I treated the hips like a 360 degree, um, I suppose, cylinder in a way. I look at the core the same way. So it was hitting muscles laterally, hitting muscles front and back, you know, hitting them from every direction on the angles. And that what that does is. Instead of just lunging or doing step ups like where you're going quads and you're going straight up and back, it allows all the little stabilizer muscles and all the, you know, all this all the supporting muscles, your adductors, your abductors, your glutes, all the you know, little glute muscles that are in the in there, it allows them to get hit from different angles. Right. So when you think about it from like say from an overuse point of view, like if you're throwing, if you're a fighter and you do, say, Muay Thai for example, training five nights a week kicking bags, right? It's the same kick. Right, really, it's they're, they're pretty much the same. You might go high, or low, push kicks, and change it a little bit, or teeps, change it a little bit. But the actions are very similar. So your hip flexors is going to get really, really strong. Your glutes aren't doing too much work, so we need to make sure we're hitting those side, side muscles and and back muscles really strong to sort of balance it out. Once you're balanced, the the risk of injury goes down dramatically. Right, which is a, a key thing here and something that I'm really, really um. Really on with my with my fighters. I like to try and just make sure their their body's balanced and not let them end up with a fighter's body like those curled you know curled shoulder kind of looks. Those um you know the jujitsu guys are notorious for having like one whole side bigger than the other. So the whole right side from you know hooking hooks and all that sort of stuff, playing guard and whatever, like one whole side gets out gets stronger than the other, and it just creates issues down the track. I um, will look at it from a point of view of like, let's try and get every little piece hit, um, not not demolish, but like hit, and and we progress strengthen that. And the next thing we look at from an S, a strength point of view from the S and C side is we need to look at like progression, right? So how do we progress? How do you progress when someone's getting beaten up for twelve hours a week every week, or beating people up for twelve hours a week every week? Is probably more likely with this guy. Um, you got to you got to look at it from a a long term plan right this is this is what i do i don't try and rush anything because i'd rather go slower and you know have lower risk than go harder and have higher risk right so the whole thing is when you're fatigued you don't really know what your body's capable of but showing up and doing the work and consistently pushing say on an rpe scale which is sort of what we'd work a fair bit is like how do you feel on this day say you're going at a a nine out of ten or an eight out of ten rpe You might go in there and and you might feel like dog shit, but if you give it your, you know, say 80% effort, you're going to progress forward a little bit. When you do refresh, like this week is, you know, pretty much the last week and a half will be like deload style weeks where he's just feeling good, moving around, kicking bags, getting feeling fresh, all that, doing his weight cuts. Like he'll feel really good after this. And that's where you see the actual gains. So then in the next weight cycle, when we start to to restart again, you're starting from a higher training um, training age, and, and it's just going to be much better to progress from there. So you've got all these different pieces, right? And they're all very, very integral and and very important. Um, but the, the thing is, like, I, I'm, I know I'm jumping around a little bit. I'm just driving. I don't have notes or anything when I shoot these podcasts. So if I do say the same thing twice, you know, bear with me, please. Or if I uh, if I get off track, bear with me. Um, but the the whole thing is like. I think uh, if you look at it, say, if we have somebody and, and they're moving, even if it stays the same weight, but they're moving it quicker after six months um, and, and easier and recovering better, that's progression. That's how you have to look at it because we're not powerlifters in this field. It doesn't really matter what weight's on the bar. All that matters is the stimulus, all right? Now, the next thing, this is something that I look at for punching power, All right, Same goes with kicking power with the glutes, the punching power as well. So upper back, if you have a stronger upper back, you'll be able to punch harder, right? And the reason is there's a deceleration effect. And I learned about this through baseball, right? When you throw a baseball, if you, if there's a, a, a mechanism in your body called your Golgi tendon organ. And basically what it is is something that switches off automatically if, if it's a chance of tearing a muscle, right? So if you try and do a, a deadlift, let's say you can deadlift 200 kilos, and you can't deadlift 210 kilos – Usually, it's that 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 mechanism switching off and saying, "No, nah, you'll probably hurt yourself doing this. I'm not going to let you lift it." Right? It doesn't let all your muscles fire at capacity. Um, but hey, if you, if you had a gun to your head or your grandma was under that bar, you can probably lift it off because it, you know your brain overrides that that organ when when adrenaline hits. Um, so it's a weird weird sort of thing. That's how you hear about old ladies lifting cars off kids and stuff like that. But Essentially, what it is, is your body's trying to protect itself. Now, when you're throwing a baseball, and this is the the, the thing I learned from baseball, if you throw a baseball and you, say, throw 100 miles per hour on a baseball, right? I think that's pretty fast. I don't know. But let's say it's 100 miles per hour. If If that's what your body is capable of reversing and decelerating, so, aka, if you're throwing it and that's what your upper back and shoulder and rotator cuffs can handle to slow that That arm down so it doesn't just pop out of its socket, that's the limit you'll get. If you can create a capacity to have 110 miles per hour by getting your rotator cuff stronger, you know, or your stabilizer stronger, or your upper back stronger, then it allows you to slow down 110 miles per hour. That's where the progression is going to be. I I heard about this years and years and years ago, and it's stuck with me ever since. But when you think about punching, it's very similar. If you're going to punch somebody, right, and you didn't have a strong upper back, and, you sh- and your body just let you punch them at 110%, like you're going to throw your shoulder out of its socket. That's just what's going to happen, right? So I have a big emphasis on getting strong as fuck in the upper back, making sure the scapulas move, right? Making sure the rotator cuffs are solid. And that translates over to punching power through that that deceleration ability. Um, so that's just another aspect. I think very similar. I, I don't really, I haven't seen any research on this or anything like that. So this is just me um, been a the theorist here. You know, th- theory, theory isn't always great, but I think like theory coming from experience is great. Uh, but I have a theory that your glutes work in the same way. So like your glutes and hip flexes, Your hip flexors really strong. Your glutes aren't very strong. The glutes getting them stronger while allow your hip flexes to be even stronger because it's got that that supporting um, effect as well. And, and you know you hear about it called like agonist antagonist in the, in the bodybuilding world. So say like your chest and back. I, I know myself. My bench press, when I, I bent, my best bench is 170 kilograms. When I benched that, that was when my upper back, I was training it five days a week and it was strong as fuck. Like I was getting really strong with my rowing and, you know, pull downs and you know, dumbbell incline support, rows, like all this stuff. Because I was trying to get my bench up and that back was my, my support for that. So I kept my shoulders healthy and allowed a, a good base to sort of come from. Um, so I have that focus with my, my strikers as well. Anyway, that's just something to think about. Now, I suppose the last piece that I'll, I'll chat about on this um, is dive into strength. I'm not going to tell you exactly his program and all that. It's, it's You don't need to know. Um, you know, that's that's client stuff. Um, if you do want me to write you programs, I'm happy to. You can hit me up and we'll we'll work something out. Uh, but the, the main thing I think you need to look at is where I'm trying to create a a foundation for him to, to be on the mats better, going harder, being able to punch stronger, recovering better. And that's my focus. Okay. And that's that's what I do. That's what I do with my expertise. And he does the work and that's that's how the magic happens. Now, one thing I don't do with him, and I sort of have a reason for it, is I don't program any extra cardio work for him. He he he's someone who's an advanced athlete. He knows his body, knows his capabilities, and sometimes he doesn't. That's when he fucks himself up. Um, but like, if if you look at it from a point of view, you see um, people say, "Oh, they're going to go do sprints and all this sort of stuff." When I'm in a, when he's in a camp, I won't touch any of that because I think he's doing enough conditioning in his fight training and how much more specific can you get than doing doing that you know um how much more specific can you get than doing five five minute rounds with fresh opponents coming in um to 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 keep you pushing the pace And like you know that's sort of what i think how how much more specific can you get than hitting pads for an hour and a half um and and, you know doing drills and all that sort of stuff how much more specific can you get than doing two hours of jujitsu um, on the ground and, and practicing from positions that you got to, you got to be in in the fight. Right? I think that's the the best part and best way to get your cardio up in there. But if you do need extra, zone two running, zone two training is where I where I sort of point um, point people to. So, uh, like, it might be like say running a ten k,er just ticking it over, nice easy pace. It might be like going for a ride, nice easy pace, something that's like forty five minutes to an hour. Um, heart rate sitting sort of you know around that 140 beats per minute or a little less keeping talkable pace like just basically cruising right i I reckon that's probably the place to go Um, and you know unless you need specific extra smash sessions for your mindset if you fit in the cage and you fit doing all your drills and all that sort of stuff like all that doing, you know, sprints on the air and sprints outside and all that, all that might do is just throw you over the edge. Like it might overtrain you. It might uh, fatigue you a little bit more mentally and it may even put you, you know, in that in that aspect of like if your muscles are all fatigued and all that sort of stuff and you go too hard in a run, it might hurt your Achilles or your calf or your hamstring, right? Like you might hurt yourself and then not be able to get it back on the mat, right? So I tend to steer clear of that stuff um, and recommend just for like zone two type training. Um, and, and focus on recovery and then doubling down in your, in your MMA session. So that's that's something that I think about there. Now, guys, I'll, um, I'll, I'll wrap up this with something that I just want to finish off with, right? <coughs> Whether you are a – say, if, if you're an MMA fighter or if you're a martial artist or an athlete – um, hobbyist of any way in any sport, right? Let's say you do archery or you do motocross or you do um, like basketball, pick up basketball or, or footy or whatever, right? Super rules. Like the thing is, like if you want to do that, if that's your fun thing to do, like right? My fun thing to do is jujitsu. I like it. I like, stri- I, like, I like the grappling stuff. I like striking sometimes. So you need to be fit enough, healthy enough to do that thing, right? If you want to excel in your hobby, You need to train hard in your body, like S and C work, to prepare yourself to keep training hard in that sport. If you just go all in on that sport, you'll create imbalances, you'll get injured. I guarantee it. It's what happens, right? But if you if you have like, even if it's you dedicate two sessions a week to strength, what will happen in your sport is you'll excel faster and better because you're fitter, stronger you recover better, you can go harder in those things. Like everything just improves. When you're doing it, you'll be more focused because you're fitter so you can pay more attention. Like there's just so many positives, right? So it doesn't matter what level you're at. You don't have to be a pro to do SNC. You don't have to be anybody. You don't even have to have a fucking sport that you're doing you and just be like someone who just wants to mow the lawns better, right? Doing strength and cardio work for anybody will help them accelerate their life. It'll help them improve, right? That's part one. Part two. If you are someone who doesn't have a good understanding or knowledge of, say, the exercise science world or, um, or programming or training and all that sort of stuff, you should you should outsource it, right? You should outsource it because what will happen is, look, even if you do have a good understanding, let's say you're a coach and you've been a coach for 15 years, right? you should still outsource it because what will happen is you will have a bias towards what you like doing and what you prefer doing and what you don't want to do will just get left out, right? Of the programs of your training and and even the intensity of it will just be left out. Like I have a strength coach. He programs for me. I've got my jujitsu coaches. They teach me what I do. Um, When I need help with my food, I have people who I go to for that. Um, And it's it's a web. and, And that web, is what allows me to get good results because it means that I take out my personal biases and emotions out of it, and I just do what I'm told. Like I was doing lunges yesterday. Uh, they called it's called a fighters' lunges, different exercise. I was doing them yesterday. Doing farmer's carries yesterday. Doing lateral sled drags yesterday. I don't like doing those things, but because Josh Titan tells me to do it, I do it. You know what happens? I feel good. <laughs> like I, my body's best itself for a long time because he's making me do the little things that I don't like doing, um, and that I probably would avoid if it was just me doing it myself. So it's not that I don't know how to program. Cause I do. It's um, it's that I'm not good at following my own programs. Right. So um, having somebody else tell me what to do is always better. Anyway, that's all I've got for you today. I hope that helps in some way, guys. If you are if you are keen, have a watch of uh, the fights on Sunday. Get amongst it, uh, but guys, I hope you all uh, all enjoyed that. If you have any questions, feel free to hit me up. If you need any help with your training, whether it's if you're from Back come train at the gym, hit me up, or uh, if you need help online, hit me up because I'm uh, starting to do some things in that online space and taking people on. I've got I'm literally, I'm, I'm taking on 20 people. I'm currently at nine. Um, so that'll fill up quite quick as I start to promote it because I haven't promoted it yet. This is the first time I've actually put a pitch out on it. Um, so, guys, if you are interested in uh, jumping in one on one private uh, online training, I'll, I'll be there for you. But, guys, if you, yeah, hope you enjoyed that. If you did, share it with someone and, yeah, help grow the show. Talk to you. Thank you, bye.